0: Our Scripture reading for this morning is 1 Corinthians 9 1 through 23. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it trends out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision, for I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, for if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward that in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel? For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings.
1: Amen. You guys may be seated. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus we come, And in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would take your word, which you've given to us, and you would cause us to hear it and to receive it and to believe it, and we pray that you would accomplish great and mighty things as your people are gathered around your word. And Spirit of God, we pray that you would stir and move even as we are here this day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Man, I bet some of you are like, what am I today? I mean, you've asked us for an offering, and now the guy's going to preach about getting a raise. I mean, like, like, what in the world? Don't worry, I'm not. <clears throat> um, you could from said passage, but that's not where we're going today. Um, as LJ has been leading us this morning, this is our our annual missions emphasis um, here at Redeemer. And here's the challenge for us. The challenge for us over the next four weeks is to not think of God's mission as a silo within the church and that silo gets a month, but rather to think of God's mission as the work of the gospel through the people of God and that the heart of the church is a God who is building a kingdom to the ends of the earth. And at the heart of the church is a message of salvation proclaimed of being connected to God and his kingdom through his son, Jesus. And that work goes forward. And so our challenge for the next month is this, Lord, would you attune my mind and my heart and my life to the mission that you're on? And Lord, would you move me and my family and our church to engage in this mission? So engage is the operative word for the month. Lord, would you make us a people engaged in the work that you are doing and you are inviting us to be a part And so with this first sermon, we want to hear from the Apostle Paul, and and the main thrust of this passage is it's the gospel of Jesus, the good news of salvation through Christ that motivates and moves Paul to long his phrase for all people to hear the gospel. It's the gospel that moves Paul to say, I want as many people as possible to share in the goodness of the gospel and the freedom of the gospel that we get to share in. And so what I would simply say to us as a church is, I'm praying that the Lord would stir in us to long for all types of people and all the people that the Lord has put in our midst here and there to know Christ and to share in the fruits and the blessings of the gospel. That's the drive of our passage today, but but you shouldn't take my word for it, so I want to try to convince you from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So the first point, if you're taking notes this morning, people of God's mission, people of God's mission. Now, here we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, Who was here with us for Galatians over the last few months? Okay, man, you got to at least show your hands. Like I get like a, uh, yeah, okay. Here, Uh, here. So here we are in another book written to another group of people in another part of the world. And guess what? They too are mad at Paul. And Paul is having to defend himself and his ministry, and his approach to his mission. Which maybe says something about what it means to be faithful to the Lord. That may not be this morning's sermon. But what is interesting is what Paul does in 1 Corinthians 9 feels on the surface very different than what Paul did in Galatians. And I think there's a really important reason, and we're going to to dig that out today. Galatians was, what must someone do to rightly stand before the Lord? The 1 Corinthians 9 question is not, what must someone do to become a child of God? The 1 Corinthians 9 question is, how does a child of God use and steward our freedoms for the mission of God. Those are two very different questions. Galatians would say, metaphorically speaking, you must you don't have to wear a blue shirt to be a Christian. First Corinthians 9 would say, I don't have to wear a blue shirt But is it wise to wear a blue shirt for this particular moment where the Lord has placed me? So two very different questions that are going to feel very similar as we go through. The first point I want us to see is that Paul believes that the gospel of God calls Paul into a life of mission. So by mission, we simply mean God is working in his world to take his salvation through his son to the ends of the earth. And he's inviting people to become children of God, part of the kingdom of God, who enjoy the presence of God. And Paul is is ultimately saying that as child of God, he is compelled to proclaim gospel of God among all people. (laughs) He's compelled to proclaim gospel of God among all people. Now, Now let's look at the passage. Paul begins, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? And that feels a lot like Galatians. Apostle means one sent by the Lord. Then Paul says in verses 3 through 18, as one sent by the Lord I have the freedom and the right to be compensated for my work as apostle second I have the freedom and the right to take a believing spouse along with me on my Journeys. I think the assumption is two people cost twice as much as one person. Third, I have the freedom to not keep a side hustle. I have the freedom to expect the people receiving the blessing of the proclamation and the preaching and the church plantings to support me in that endeavor. Paul argues this vehemently. He roots it in the Old Testament, and he builds a case for it. But where that connects to our mission's passage is verse 15. I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure such provision. Verse 19, for though I am free From all, I made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. Verse 23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. Verse 16, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Do you see what Paul's doing here? He's saying the Lord's work, the Lord's gospel compels me to take that message to as to all people, to as many people as possible. That's the argument that Paul's making here in this passage. Verse 19 that I might win more of them. Verse 22, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel. So Paul is arguing that God is on a mission. God sent his son Jesus to redeem and to restore and to make new because God is on a mission. And God's mission goes forward Now, not through Jesus walking on the earth, but through the people empowered by the spirit of God who walk the earth. That's the argument of the the compulsion that Paul has. And that's the key insight of the New Testament. Many of you might say, okay, that's cool for Paul, but I'm not Paul. That's cool for people, air quotes, if you're listening online, called to missions, end air quotes, but I'm not called to missions. But guess what? The book of Acts and all the letters of Paul and all the letters of the New Testament say this, we all have the same spirit. And the present spirit of god empowers the people of god to turn away from sin to believe the gospel to exercise gifts for the good of the church and to be witnesses for jesus the spirit does those things so paul's making this connection you belong to jesus you're empowered by the spirit you belong to jesus you're sent on God's mission. That doesn't mean you have to change your zip code. It doesn't mean you have to move to another country, but it means sent into God's world for the good of proclaiming the gospel. Now, we got a bunch of highly intellectual, reform-minded folks around here who are quick to say, but it's God who saves, yes. It's God who works, yes. It's God who's the missionary, yes. But notice what Paul says all these things are true, but I made myself a servant. I became as a Jew. I became as one under the law. I became as one outside the law. I became weak. I became all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in his blessing. So is God doing the work? Absolutely. But Paul feels compelled to join in the work. Friends, the Lord is inviting us as he's filled us with his spirit to move into his mission to move into his work of speaking the gospel of Jesus and calling people to repentance and faith and calling people to believe and calling people to be baptized and teaching them to observe all that he's commanded. He's inviting all of us into the work. And and man, as a pastor, I see your faces and I can hear the argument, but you don't know the hardship in my world. We can barely get up in the morning. One foot in front of another, like, we can't even lift one foot off the ground where we are right now. I hear you. But what resounds in my head today are the words of my friend Doug, who was a a missionary in northern India. And he said, some mornings I just have to pull myself out of bed and go to the park and start talking about Jesus so that I can remember that God is real and God is powerful and God moves. Because the only way anybody in that park is going to respond through my broken English is if God moves. And I just wonder if some of us need to experience God move when that neighbor takes a step of faith, when that neighbor repents and believes, when that lost family member turns and says, I'm going to come with you, Lord, when that man stuck in the power of addiction turns away from it, I just wonder how many of us need to see God move like that. And I think if we would view, engage the mission, right alongside, read the Bible, and go to small groups, All of that together is how God is going to show us his power. And you can do it in your workplace or your school or your sporting events or all the places. The restaurant you're going to go to here in a few minutes, just leave a good tip if you're going to share the gospel with them, please. And particularly if you're going to invite them to Redeemer. Like a really good tip. (laughs) Austin doesn't want to field those phone calls all week. Um. So guys, more than anything, this month, we're just praying that the Lord would do a work that would say, hey, Jamie, engage. Hey, Mosley family, engage. Hey, Redeemer people, let's engage. And I can say engage, 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 engage until y'all all all run out of here with your fingers in your ears and you'll get in your car and you'll go, "Ah, I'm glad that's over. But if the Spirit of God starts saying, Engage. Then we're going to move. So let's engage as the people of God's mission. And so my practically minded people might say, well, how do we get started? Well, that's what we want to help with this month. And what I want to speak to for the next few minutes is the attitude and the disposition that will get us started. The attitude and the disposition that will get us started. So our second point is stewardship and sacrifice. Stewardship and sacrifice. Hear Paul's heart here in verse 23. I do it for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Who's them right there? Who's them right there? It's all the people that Paul is serving in verse 22. So the disposition and the attitude of heart that gets us moving in God's mission is this. I want that person to share with me in the blessings of the gospel. So when you go to your kid's athletic event this afternoon and there's, there's that guy in the other bleachers, maybe you're that guy, we'll see. But but that guy in the other bleachers, this, this missional heart says, I want that guy to know the blessings of Christ the way I do. We can only pray and ask the Lord to give us that. That person that's your coworker, that you would put a shiv right in his back if you got a chance to. Hypothetically speaking, what if the Lord turned that heart into, I want him to share in the blessings of the gospel the same way that I have? So one, we, we pray that verse 23 be a heartbeat for us. Second, when it comes to attitude and disposition, this passage compels us To see our freedoms and our rights as a stewardship of service rather than as seeking our own pleasure. That's a very un-American thing for me to say. I'm aware of that. But what if God didn't give you rights and freedoms in the faith so that you could flex and celebrate them? But he gave them to you so that you could use them to serve God. Others and serve the advance of the gospel as much as possible. Guys, this is exactly what Paul's talking about. Get paid for my work. Take my spouse on the road with me. Not have to have two jobs. Things feel a little bit minimal, right? Paul's saying, I'm setting all of that aside, not because it makes me awesome, but because it helps the gospel go forward. Because it helps the gospel go forward. Those are pretty high callings, right? I'm trying to get this high so that you see that that maybe if you have to go do something that you don't want to, it's not that big of a sacrifice, Okay. So Paul says in the passage, he's setting aside the right to pay, a companion, and one gig to maximize the effectiveness and the fruitfulness of the gospel going forward. Let me give you another one. Again, show of hands, Galatians people, you were here with us. What was the drive in Galatians? You don't have to be Jewish to be a child of God. Circumcision, not required. Law keeping for righteousness, not needed. Submission to the law of Moses, not necessary. You are free in Christ by faith to live fully as child of God. So Paul's saying that everyone who's in Christ is free from the burden of the law. But now let's tease this out, okay? So along comes Titus. Titus was going to was a partner in ministry for Paul. And the Jews said, "Well, if he's going to be hanging out with an apostle, he needs to be circumcised." And Paul said, from Galatians chapter 2, "No." It is not necessary for a Gentile, non-Jewish person to be circumcised to be child of God. And I will not have you subject Titus to that and misconstrue the gospel. And trust me, before I go to the other side of the coin, you should say amen right now. Other side of the coin. A little bit later, Acts chapter 16. Along comes Timothy. Timothy's father was Jewish. Timothy was going to be going into, with Paul, into synagogues and into temple and into Jewish settings. So, does Timothy need to be circumcised to be child of God? No. So he has a freedom to not be circumcised. What did Paul tell Timothy to do? to be circumcised. Why? To maximize the opportunity for the Jewish people to hear the gospel and believe. Why? Because he wanted them to be as free in Christ as he was. That's Romans chapter 9. I would give up my election if they could know the freedom in Christ. By the way, it's not possible to give up your election, but that's what Paul said. So when we talk about sacrifice, we're not talking about what we must do. We're talking about what we can do for the good of others. So just to raise the bar a little bit here, okay? Paul said, no income, no spousal companionship, no, I'll keep a side gig. To Timothy, he said, you as an adult man without Western medicine need to be circumcised. Why? Because I'm willing to not give up the truth of the gospel. I am not willing to budge on what the Bible says is required, but I'm willing to exercise and give up my freedoms to be able to bring the gospel to all types of people. So I really want to end this sermon with this question. What's your circumcision? I'm not going to be so crass. Um, but maybe I should be. Except that you'll have some weird conversations with your kids in the car. So. But um, so in verse 22, this is one of the most misappropriated scriptures around. Paul says, I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. What he's arguing in this passage is I am freely willing to sacrifice my freedoms and my rights because I long to share in the blessings of the gospel with as many people as possible. So I think the way this works for us is this. Number one, know what God requires know what God requires. What God says to do and don't do, because if we know what God requires, we need to lovingly, by faith, obey what God requires. So the argument in Galatians was not, do I need to be like Paul? The argument was, what does God require? That was the argument. Number two, once I know what God requires, Understand where I am free. Understand where I have liberty. Understand where I have rights that I could exercise. And then number three, ask, is it wise for me to exercise this freedom now? Or is it better to not exercise it so that I can enter into a relationship to help someone come to share in the blessings of the gospel? Now, friends, know what God requires. That's the same for everybody. But my answer to number two and number three might be different than your answer to number two and number three because God might be putting us in different places, see Titus and see Timothy. I'm still on team Titus, I'm just going to say it, but but we might be in different contexts with different callings and different ways of life. Um, And so I would encourage us to be gracious with others as we try to navigate question two, what freedoms do I have? And question three, is it wise to do so? Now, our American version of this is usually around this. Which of my privileges am I not willing to give up? But if you've done any ministry in a cross-cultural setting, the tension of 1 Corinthians 8 and 9 just comes to the surface, right? I remember landing as like a 24-year-old guy that's been a Christian for about three years in northern India, and here we are at a temple, like, Okay, do I go in or do I not? By the way, I'm not saying the answer to any or all of these things is yes. I'm just bringing you into the tension, right? Do I go in or do I not? Do I take my shoes off in honor or do I not? When the sign says women in their menstrual cycle are not allowed in, do I ask the women in my group, like, should you go in or not? I'm not trying to be funny. These are very real scenarios. When my tour guide, who's Hindu, asks me to get my picture made in front of the God statue, do I do it or do I not? When the tour guide stops to pray at the statue, what do I do? When the tour guide stops to buy sacrifices for the statue of the God, what do I do? I think the answer is, what does the Lord require? And do what he requires. And then what freedoms do I have? Where maybe different Christians of different persuasions might do differently. And then what freedoms am I willing to sacrifice without blaspheming? Am I willing to sacrifice for the relationship with this tour guide and all the unbelievers who are gathered around me? These aren't hypothetical pie in the sky questions. These are where Christians in cross-cultural settings live. And by the way, do you know what's coming to roost in a suburb near you? Cross-cultural settings. And these are the questions that we're all going to have to wrestle with. So what I'm not doing today is trying. I'm not wanting to get into a taxonomy of how do you enter a Hindu temple. That's not today's conversation. I'm trying to stir in us disposition that says, I want, to sh- I want whoever those far from Christ are that the Lord's put around me to share in the blessings of the gospel, and I am willing to sacrifice my freedoms, rights, preferences, and styles for the good of others coming to know So this is speaking to personally, how do we engage those far from Christ? Chapter 8 is actually a little bit different. Chapter 8 is personally, how do we engage with others within the church? Do you know what Paul's answer is? Know what the law requires and sacrifice your preferences to serve others, to serve the unity of the church. That's just a little free add-on from this sermon. So as we move into Missions Month here at Redeemer, as we move into being a people of God's mission, I just want you to to ask this question prayerfully. Lord, would you convince me that I am compelled by the gospel to be one who engages the work of the gospel reaching new people? Two, Lord, would you put within me the longing of 1 Corinthians 9 verse 23? That I want to share the blessings of the gospel with those who don't know Christ. And then third, would you show me the preferences and the freedoms and the rights that I need to set aside to engage this relationship and conversation opportunity that the gospel might move to? This is where the rubber meets the road. Do you know what's never convenient? Making a new friend. Do you know what's never convenient? Bringing somebody into your home that you don't know. Do you know what's never convenient? Accepting that invitation to go across the street to your neighbor's house. Because, you know, they're a little weird and their house is not put together the way yours would be. Um, It's never convenient to choose to show grace and mercy to somebody that you want to smack in the face. It's never convenient to love and to pray rather than to lash out in anger. It's just never convenient. So we'll set aside our preferences because we have the heart of verse 22 and verse 23. And that's what I'm praying for me because I'm far, far away. And that's what I'm praying for you. And that's what I'm praying for us. But I mean, like, what if we were known As a couple hundred people who live our days and weeks in the world serving others and pointing to the glory of Christ over and over and over and over. What if? As my last salvo, there's nothing in this passage that has anything to do with style of worship and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Our Father and our God, We pray now that you would take this word that has been spoken, and we pray that if it's true and right and good, that you would drive it deeply into who we are, for the glory of your name. (coughs) Lord, we know we need you to stir and work among us, so we pray you would do so now. Change who we are, we pray in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.